Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I'm your host Matthew Pekovic and this is episode number 268. Award season is now upon us, which means Talking Oscars is back to cover all things Oscars and award seasons. Joining me now is film critic, movie analyst, and Talking Oscars co-host Shane A. Bassett. Shane, I thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you very much, Matt. Great to be here. It seems like we only just chatted. Of course, we only just did. We did a really good <laughs> podcast a couple of da- nights ago. Um, since then, though, you've been uh, very... Uh, busy man, uh, as I uh, say in my uh, intro, one of the busiest men, men that I know working in the industry, especially in Australia, um, you are to in many different events. And one of those events was the Actor Awards. But before we dive into that, I want to talk about what movies have you seen since the last time we spoke? Well, considering it's only been a few days and I have had a busy period of just nonstop different, uh, the, the agenda has been full, I have still caught two movies. Uh, the Good Liar was one of them uh, with Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren. Now, it's a slow-moving story, but the the plot of Ian McKellen's character as a con man who, who's just been going through life, um, meeting women and then fleecing them out of their uh, life savings, basically, and their livelihood, but he meets the Helen Mirren character, and tu- and she turns the tables on him. And, and how that all happens and comes about is just fantastic. But, you know, you're watching it for these two actors going toe-to-toe. It is, it's brilliant between them both, you can imagine. Uh, and I also saw only today, this morning, uh, Jojo Rabbit, which is the new Taika Waititi, uh, what would you call it, a comedy drama, I'd say? It seems um, like almost like a satire in a sort of way. It, it has seen, it's very got a lot of satire in it, um, dark comedy. It's also got a message in it to do with families. And I'm not going to give too much away, but it is Adolf Hitler's played by Tyker, and he is the imaginary friend of uh, a little a little Nazi, basically. He's a little German boy who adores Adolf. But then things change on that end as well. And there are just some moments in it is just so poignant and it's sad. And like there are, there are two moments in particular concerning shoes. That, that's, that's all I'll say. You'll know what I mean if you've seen it. Um, it brought me to tears. But as a whole, I his humour uh, and his style is loved by many. Taika, I mean, but it's not not so much by me. So I did, as much as I it was better than I expected. I still wasn't not convinced. You know, it's a tough one, and the subject matter is certainly. A touchy subject, but it has been dealt with in um, a mannerism where you can you can understand the the viewpoint that Taika Waititi has done for this film. Uh, great acting, Scarlett Johansson in particular, the little boy in it. Um, his name escapes me. I hadn't seen him before. He was very good. Uh, Sam Rockwell's very good in it. So mm-hmm. I, I'd say worth seeing, but just be prepared because it is very different. It does look different. I mean, the trailers themselves really just the kind of. Um very perplexing. You know, when you deal with stuff like anything to do with World War Two and the and the Nazis, and you have your uh, protagonists kind of be on that side of the fence, uh, unwittingly or or, or not, um, I think like that can bring up a lot of kind of like you know controversy with it. Um, but and then again, I mean. It's not not as if it hasn't been done before. I mean, we just have to look at the producers and what Mel Brooks did with that, and I think uh, that that is something that maybe Taika uh, he's trying to evoke there. 
um, in when um, bringing up that subject in the, the way that he's doing it. I'm not sure. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to watch it on Monday. Actually, I've got like a real packed week next week of screenings. I've got so many of them. Um, and that's one of them. Uh, and so I am looking forward to it. I am a Taika Waititi fan. Um, so I'm interested to see what it's going to be like because it just looks so different to everything else. I, I think Shane, more than anything, I guess it's unique when compared to the rest of the field this award season. Yeah, it's very unique, and I think it'll get a look in. You know, I'm not sure, maybe screenplay, but uh, it's a tough one, and it, it takes a very serious subject, and not all the way through, but there is a lot of light moments in it. Also, some very moving moments. Remember, Life is Beautiful, mm-hmm. the Italian film, that sort of dealt with similar, you know, well, not that's a different story, but that same era, that same war-torn tragedy that was looked on a little bit more lightly. So expect the unexpected with Jojo Rabbit, but overall there's some great performances in it. And uh, another thing that came out this week, which we both saw, it's not a movie, it's a trailer, um, and it features last year's, uh, sorry, early this year's Oscar winner for Best Leading Actor, Rami Malek. He plays the villain in a new Bond film, No Time to Die. I know you're a big Bond fan, Shane. What did you think of the trailer when it came out? Oh, huge Bond fan. I had chills. I think I watched it about five times in a row on a loop. Uh, the music got to me. It was just fantastic. Jeffrey Wright in it as Felix. He's back. And it was just good that we meet another double O in it as mm-hmm. well. And Daniel Craig's reaction to that. Uh and then there's like the world has moved on, Mr. Bond. You know that that quote in it is true because a lot of people said a couple of years ago before Skyfall, oh, is James Bond still relevant? Well, mm. I think he is, and it's just it looks great. But there was a, there's a moment in the trailer too where his car with the old fashioned uh, machine guns that come out near the lights and the front lights, and he's doing a donut around in circles now. I don't think they've done that in a James Bond movie before, so I thought that was that was pretty uh, good to see as well. And just overall, very excited and I'm looking forward to you know seeing another trailer and then the movie when it's out next year. The film is directed by Carrie um, Jodi uh, Fukunaga. Um, he did the True Detective season, season one in particular. Um, last film he did was Beasts of No Nation. I think that was a Netflix film with. Um, uh, Idris Elba uh, in there as well, and it was a lot. Oh, of- I haven't seen that. No, um, I haven't seen that, but I have heard good things about it. And from what I understand of this Bond film, um, uh, the rumor is that, like, it is officially Daniel Craig's last Bond film. We know that, but the rumor is that future Bond films won't be necessarily a Bond film. It will be double double O something, and Lashana um, Lynch who features in the trailer, she's poised to take over the franchise. Is that correct, Shane? I believe so, yes. Uh, and there's a little hint to that when uh, Money Penny says, I knew you'd get along. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I mean, even seeing Rami Malik in it, you know, and then you've got Christoph Waltz returning as Blofeld. Yeah. I think they are looking at the future and, and some changes, but we'll see. You know, let's hope they keep the plot under wraps and... I have a feeling they will go into another different direction and a future double O or Bond uh, will be a female. That's that's a given. Let's move on now to perhaps the biggest night um, awards-wise in Australia, well, at least in the Australian film industry, uh, the 2019 AACTA Awards, are otherwise known as the Actor Awards. Uh, so the big story here was The Nightingale, um, 
I think it was like what 15 wins I got it's been it got a slew of nominations pretty much won everything it was nominated for it did um, um, Jennifer Kent is the, the director um, pretty much every member of its cast was nominated or, or could be uh, uh, could win did um, maybe with the exception I think of the uh, actor um, nominee so um, Damien Herriman won for Judy and Punch as actor and Joel Edgerton won for supporting actor for The King yes. um, but other than that uh, the Nightingale just pretty much rolled through the whole thing and f for me I think it speaks a lot about the problem that I always had with the AACTA awards uh, number one their nominations aren't very uh, there's not much variety in it it always seems like it's the same 10 11 movies nominated over and over uh, even little bit parts uh, in movies like The Nightingale get nominated for awards and sometimes they win um, and other good movies that perhaps weren't funded by, say, Screen Australia, independent films, for example, um, they might get an independent film nomination, but other than that, they don't get a, sh a look in anywhere else. And then one film pretty much just goes through the whole, the, go, wins everything the whole night, and it just ends up being really kind of uneven at the end of the night. I mean, you were there. Um, number one, let's talk about the ceremony itself. What was that like? Uh, I I hate to say this, but I've always had a problem with the Actor Awards ceremony because there's a lot of TV uh, shows involved and a lot of reality and lifestyle programs, and that's great, good for them, but they seem to focus on that quite a lot. And if you're not into them or you don't know the shows or the people on them, it, it creates it to be a little bit harder to watch. I'm there for the movie side of things. Yeah. And fair enough. If they want to combine it, that is, I totally understand it. It's a celebration of Australian and television and movies, so I get it. But the ceremony itself, uh, you know, I love my award ceremonies, as you do, but they're, they're, they're not great. They're, they're not polished. They're a little bit, um, the jokes, The whoever's writing the jokes sometimes for the hosts, and no... no not dissing Shane Jacobson at all, but I don't know. It just all seems a bit uh, wooden to me. Oh. That said, I, I had a feeling the Nightingale was going to scoop the the awards. And you know, it, it, you're right about that. When we've discussed this in previous podcasts, how it, the variety of nominations are rarely stretched, and that's because unfortunately we do make some good movies, but they're just not seen. Yeah. They're, they're not. They're not seen. Anyway. When it comes to the awards themselves, you said you weren't really surprised that the Nargal won the way it did. Um, other other wins, for example, Joel Edgerton. Uh, uh, did you uh, you've seen the King? Uh, did you feel that there was a really good win for him on, on his part? Yeah, I think so. I think he deserved it. He was he was a standout in the film. Uh, the King, though, is contentious because you know, is it an Australian film? Yes, yeah. and again, that comes to another thing you and I have talking about. Uh, yes. A lot of sometimes movies, I remember one year Mad Max Fury Road just swept through the whole kind of <laughs> That's thing. Right. And, and we were like, it wasn't even shot in Australia. They couldn't do it here because of something with the, with the foliage or what have you. They had to go somewhere else. It's just, it was a, it's really hard for me to sometimes take it seriously. And I guess a lot of people call the AACTA Awards um, the Australian Oscars, but considering the you know, you mentioned the TV part and the reality TV component and all that other stuff as well. Could it be more in comparison of Australia's Golden Globes, but just not as fun? 
Yeah, I agree. I I was one of those people that used to always refer to it as the as Oscars, you know, the Australian version of the Oscars, but no, not anymore. I can't do that because it's definitely not. Uh, it is more Golden Globes. You're right. It's more scaled. Uh, it's sort of stretched out, scaled back as a entertainment program in, in itself. You know, it's, it's a tough one. Um, I'm just a little bit unhappy about certain things about it this year. So, We'll see. Uh, the The red carpet itself was very well organised. Mm-hmm. It was a well controlled uh, and good red carpet because sometimes they can be a bit hectic. Oh yeah. But on on this occasion, well, you you know you've worked them yourself. Yeah. You know what red carpets can be like. But uh, yeah, I'm just a little bit perplexed on the ceremony this year, and I don't think I'm the only one. You know, I, I really don't. Uh, let's move on now to a different kind of uh, award ceremony. So the National Border Review. Um, so for people who don't know, it's an organization in the United States, been around since 1909. Uh, very kind of important in the um, discussion in awards uh, season. Um, kind of establishments like that, uh, the Producers Guild, etc. Um, sometimes they can give real strong clues as to what to expect when it comes around to Oscar nomination time. And they've released what their favorite uh, films and performances are for the year um so irishman actually won for best film of the year and quinta tarantino for best director um and i think that doesn't really surprise me as much i think when you look at both of those films uh they are front runners um uh, well well i don't know about about you shane we are going to talk about director predictions uh in a week or so um but do you think that in regards to that that award especially it's going to come down to Scorsese versus Tarantino yeah I think so and if you ask me I think it would have been a little bit harder to direct uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because of all its components Mm. uh than what the Irishman was to um to direct but yeah it's going to come down to those two um I'm not a, a massive I'm not uh, I liked The Irishman, but I'm not one of those ones who is gushing over it. I, I know you think it's brilliant. I know a lot of people do. but And I loved it. I've said this already, but I, I don't know. I, I think it has got competition for best film. Let's just have a look now at just some of the predictions, we, like some of the categories we already covered. So um, Best Supporting Actress when the Kathy Bates or Richard Jewell. You and I didn't even mention Richard Jewell because no one's seen it yet. I think in the States, actually, it's having the limited release run right now, getting really good reviews. Um, I can't wait myself to watch this movie. I think it looks terrific. Um, Brad Pitt, um, Supporting Actor for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We both mentioned him yep. in, our, uh, in our predictions. Um, Best Actress, Renee Zellweger for Judy. I think you and I are definitely in agreement that she is the front runner if not the lock for that award. I think she's a lock. But like you said last week, Glenn Close, you know, you got to bring up that Glenn Close situation. <laughs> you, you don't know what's going to happen there. Um, best actor, now this is interesting. Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems. Um, you know, this is really interesting. Sometimes certain films get like a, a, a like a, like just a, a push behind them, just like a wave. Um, and Uncut Gems seems to be that movie at the moment. And Adam Sandler being the, the leading man of that film is, is riding that wave. And, um, you know, I might bring him up a little later, actually, in our predictions in regards to Best Actor. Um, because I just feel like that a lot of people, um, award bodies, uh, for example, the little ones, the little kind of critics uh, bodies, um, Los Angeles, uh, etc., um, are really taking to what um, Adam Sandler is doing here uh, with Uncut Gems. And... Um, for the National Board of Review to actually give um, him an award as well, I think is a really good and big kind of push for his kind of uh, 
yeah. um, for his, you know, standing uh, as a leading actor um, because, you know, you and I talked about only last week that he does his history of films uh, is not that good. He's successful as a comedian, but his, his films are very kind of lowbrow, kind of like a, a, a sophomoric kind of humour. Um, but when he gets those dramatic roles like Punch Drunk Love or Rain Over Me, and in this case as well, Uncut Gems, he really does come um, bring his best uh, to, uh, to 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 the to the proceedings. So I think um, yeah, there's a good chance uh, that uh, Adam Sandler might make a, a bit of a move in that top five actor, and we might talk about it later. Um, are you surprised at all about Adam Sandler's emergency in the whole award season race? I know he's got talent. Because you mentioned Rain on Me and um, Punch Drunk Love, which were brilliant. And he also did uh, Men, Women and Children, which was another solid dramatic role. Oh, yeah. That was uh, Jason Reitman, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it was it was a didn't do well. It was a little bit overlooked, but it was a, a really strong uh, role from him. Uh, and even in some of his comedies, he has glimpses of actually being a little bit more mature, like The Wedding Singer, in, in a sense, because that's, that's great compared to other things like Jack and Jill or The Grown Ups and so forth. But no, it does not surprise me to answer your question because uh, it's Uncut Gems has been getting buzz ever since it started doing the, uh, the, award, like the circuit of uh, festivals. And I haven't seen it yet, but it's been nothing but positive. And he's campaigning. Now, when actors campaign yes. films, yep. it's, that's pretty strong. It gives a strong message that you know, they're out there doing Q&As for screenings and doing television shows and so forth. It's a pretty uh, thing, uh, active uh, consideration that they are going to get nominated and they believe in the project. So, yeah, that's a good sign. But I, I'm not surprised to answer your question, no, I'm good for him and i'm really looking forward to seeing it apparently he plays a very bad person in it someone that's not very likable at all no in the trailer very much uh, shows that uh, to be the case as well again another film we don't know when the release date is you know welcome to australia right i mean i think uh, some of us working in the industry just as a just have to put up with that stuff um but uh, well, only just found out the lighthouse is getting a release yeah. but not not till like february or something yeah i mean it's just it can it's just ridiculous sometimes but anywho uh let's move on now to some interesting news so um so last award season the academy um of motion pictures were dabbling with some different kind of categories maybe taking away some things maybe not airing some things maybe adding something like us for example remember the most popular uh category that they had an idea for it didn't go down so well did it Shane? <laughs> it did not and no, uh, it came and went pretty quick pretty quick but this next idea they have i think some people i think most people might take to this one so they're actually considering like combining the two sound categories into the one category so right now you have best sound editing and best sound mixing um and the academy are always looking for ways to shorten uh their ceremony i mean one of the major complaints is that you know it's like a three hour plus runtime 
Um, even last, um, even its last ceremony when it didn't have a host, it still went long because he got so many awards to hand out, right? And 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 they they, they tried um, doing, um, I think it was what cinematography they wanted to do like off air, and no one was having any of that. Um, so that's not going to work. But maybe um, putting these two categories together just might work. Now it's not going to happen, I think, to like 2021. Um, it's it's much too early, uh, much too late. Sorry to happen this upcoming um, Oscar uh, ceremony, but. I, th I think um, that it is a good idea. Um, I mean, I, no one's missing out. From what I can read here, um, they're going to be giving out uh, five Oscars. So it's going to be two for supervising sound, and there's one for a production sound mixer, and up to three re-recording mixers. So it pretty much covers the gamut anywhere that there's two awards at separately. Um, I think it's a good idea, and perhaps even it can open up a different category, like maybe best stunts, maybe best ensemble cast, something that hasn't been done before at the Academy. Uh, Shane, what do you think about this news? Yeah, I can't add to that. I agree totally, and I think they should be um, streamlined and done together. Uh, I forgot about the best stunts. I think that is something that should be on the agenda for sure. Yeah. That has to be looked at, really. Stunt work is a component of nearly every movie. Yep. You know, whether it's a body double or a, an explosion, there's usually a stunt double needed or a stunt person needed for every film filmed. Yep. So um, totally agree on that. And, yeah, I'm I'm, have a, I have a good feeling that if they do put those two sound mixing together, it'll, it'll, just, it'll be better. It'll be streamlined, and I think it's a good idea. I forgot about what you mentioned just then, though, that they were thinking of doing screenplay and cinematography and so forth off camera. And, I mean, yep. what a bad idea that was. I, yeah, well, I think no, that never happened. I think it was cinematography and editing. I think those were the yeah, two that's uh, right. that yeah. they want to do. And a lot of people just weren't going for it. I, I think maybe the Academy thought, well, people just want to see the stars and that's it. But they don't understand the people. The reason why people watch the Oscars, uh, and all jokes aside, uh, is because people love movies. They know what an editor does. They know how important a cinematography is. They can. They know their. Uh, you know uh, their what the the sound mixer does and the sound editor does they know this stuff um and so it was really kind of like a bad call on their on their uh, behalf um yeah. but combining the two sound categories together uh making sure there's there's plenty of gongs to go around because you know it's a very kind of dense uh field the sound field and a lot of people working on that as well um i think it's a good idea as well and um if they put in another category or not um i i yeah i, I think it just works fine um yeah, I'm I'm all for it as well. Um, yep, I'm all for it. I mean, you and I don't really cover all the tech stuff here anyway, so we can't go too deep into the rabbit hole. But it's still pretty interesting news. There are there are they have their own awards. The technical people do have their own um, separate awards outside of Oscars. You know, they celebrate their craft. Yeah. And I'm I still want it to be included with the Oscars, but putting them together makes sense to me. Okay, so now let's move on now to predictions. So. We were up to best leading actor, um, and I got to take back something I said last week. Um, I said that the lead actress category is probably the most competitive, um, but when I was putting together my list, <laughs> best lead actor, I think I misspoke there because man, I had five names and I can think I still had like four left over um, that I wanted to bring up as well. Um, and a lot of that is because of late entries. A lot of that is because some of these films, especially in this category, we haven't seen yet. Um, but 
this is going to be really interesting. I think you and I might have some crossover. That's to be expected. I mean, we're pretty yeah. much into the award season now. But I'm really interested to see whether you and I also share some of our, you know, uh, honourable mentions as well because there's so many of them. Um, so, Shane, how about you go first? Tell me your first pick for Best Lead Actor. Um, one of my favourite actors of all time, Eddie Murphy. Aha. Uh-huh. In My Name is Dolomite. Uh, I, I just loved it. You know, I, I thought it was... I always knew that he was fantastic and I grew up with him loving his stuff, pretty much almost everything he's ever done. But this was a one of those real true return to the spotlight type roles. Uh, and he's, he's hosting SNL soon, I believe, as well. He's campaigning the movie. He's out on the beat. So, um, yeah, I, I really do recommend that movie. It's... It's for people like us who love movies because it's behind the scenes and different things like that in, in L.A. in the 70s. So Eddie Murphy, for me, is my first pick. I mean, that's really interesting because I have that also in my top five as well. Um, and I thought that I was going to come in with a surprise here and you just really just stopped me right now. <laughs> Sorry. No, not at all. I mean, it, it is a great film. Dolomite is my name. He plays Rudy Ray Moore. Um, so Eddie Murphy has been nominated previously um, for Dreamgirls. He won the Golden Globe for Dreamgirls and he's been nominated four times beforehand. Um, I don't know about you, Shane, but I think that his performance in this movie just might be his, the greatest he's, he's delivered so far. And he's got like a... He's got heaps of just fantastic performances all throughout his career. I mean, the film, he's funny. I mean, he's outlandish, but he's not over the top. And he brings that kind of, that that swagger and that confidence that really made him famous as a young actor, um, which I think that as he grew older, um, it, it seemed like sometimes he took on different um, um, roles where he tried to get away from that. Some of his movies were very kid-friendly, so he didn't want to do all the cursing and such. Some of my films are very much dramatic, so he wanted to stay away from the silly stuff. This this performance here, I think, he just hits that stride, hits that part in the middle, um, because there's great drama there as well. There's some really fantastic um, scenes where um, he really shows his depth as a dramatic actor. And I also think that um, I'm... I, I don't think he's a lock for a nomination, but I do think he will be nominated. I do, however, think he's a lock for a Golden Globe win for the Best Comedy category. What do you think there, Shane? Oh, they'll want, they'll go, the Hollywood Foreign Press will want him to go to the ceremony for sure. You know, to have Eddie Murphy there is, would be a big deal, and he deserves, at the very least, a Golden Globe nom- nomination. And, you know, I'll, I'll take back about loving every movie he's ever done because the nutty professor and, and dr Doolittle and that i get it he did that kid phase for mm. children like yeah. like you said but i still thought he was good you know um, there's a movie he made um directed by bruce beresford a couple of years ago and it got overlooked because it wasn't released in australia and i had to buy it on amazon through a us yeah uh eddie murphy and Britt robinson were in it yep. that's called mr church yep, where he I plays know. a yeah. chef have you seen it i've seen it and it's so funny if you say that because when that movie came out it was kind of early maybe august september people actually saying that that performance might get him an oscar nomination as well of course it didn't happen but it's a very strong turn yeah, I never saw it at the time. I probably bought it about a year later, but uh, it was great. And, yeah, that that really, if you go back and watch Mr. Church and then you see Dolomite, well, you'll know that he's in, later in life he's still got the goods. He's such a good actor. He's a terrific actor. Um, going from one terrific actor to another, my pick is going to be Joaquin Phoenix for Joker um, in the performance of Arthur Fleck slash Joker. Um, so... He's a three-time Oscar nominee. He's a Golden Globe winner for Walk the Line. Um, and, you know, there's pretty much a, a, a 
I can pretty much put forth an argument that maybe his role in the, in the Joker um, is working Venus's best as well. Um, it's just he is a he is a once in a generation actor. I think there's certain actors that come around and just they just just take over the movies that they're in with their commitment and with their intensity and with their skill. I'm talking about actors like Robert De Niro, Daniel Day-Lewis. Like he's he's to me he's like one of those guys. And the performance here in um, the Joker movie just really kind of stamps that for me. Um, the film is written and directed by Todd Phillips. It had a lot of controversy surrounding it, but not enough to stop people from watching it. I think it's almost did like a billion dollars at the global box office. Yes. And, and there's precedent as well in regards to, yes, Heath Ledger won the Oscar for his portrayal as a joke of the Dark Knight, but there's been beforehand... Um, Two actors have won an Oscar for playing the same character. Um, don't forget Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro both played Vito Corleone as well. And um, that, that was between, uh, between like two uh, years of each other. Um, yeah. The difference there is that De Niro was playing, it was doing some of the characteristics that Brando was doing because he was playing a younger version of him, where Joaquin Phoenix really makes the Joker his own. Um, and I think just what he did with that movie, what he did with that role... Um, is just was just fantastic. It was really kind of scary sometimes to watch as well. There are scenes where he kind of like contorts his body. It's just this, this jangle of like like just lean muscle and bone and nerves, and it's just kind of like this really kind of monstrous sight about him. It was it was a terrific turn, and um, I I wouldn't be surprised as well um, if he's a front runner to win the Oscar um, as well. Um, I'm not going to say he's a lock to win, but I definitely think he's going to get a nomination. Yeah, uh, he's a lock, and I can't add to that either. He's on my list, Joaquin, and I've been uh, a big Joaquin fan for many, many years. Uh, I still really enjoy the movie he did with Nicole Kidman called To Die For, and then everything in between, you know. And he is one of the kind generation actor that is, look, I said it on all the radio stations I report for. I wrote it in my film review of Joker. The minute he came on screen, it took about two minutes later, I'm thinking to myself, this guy's going to get nominated. Mm. You could just tell the moment he appeared that he, the expressions and the, the effort he was putting into this character, it was it was all in. And, uh, yeah, I totally agree. He's on my list as well. Do you think, though, in regards to Joker, there's enough there to try maybe get it a picture nomination or do you think it's going to be the Joaquin Phoenix show more than anything else? I don't think it'll get picture. Uh, maybe a screenplay, mm-hmm. not, but no, I don't think it, it'll be in the mix for picture possibly. Um, but I'd, I'd have to sit down. You just got me off the cuff there without thinking about it too much. So I would say no at this point, but I could change my mind. Yeah. I don't think so either, which is a shame there. Cause I really like that film. Um, but let's move on now. What's your next pick, Shane? Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. See, we're going with all these actors. I don't know if he's on your list too, but these are names that are just getting brought up by everyone. I think they're all locks. I think they're going to be all locks, these guys. Um, who win will be another story. But, yeah, Leo in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, isn't. you know, I can't add to anyone's opinion about him who knows movies that knows that he is a brilliant actor. He can just... I think he can pretty much do what he wants to do and he's convincing in just about every role I've ever seen him in. So, 
he works good with directors, and I'm glad that he, he goes back to directors that he's worked with before, such as Quentin. And uh, this is a great film. Um, and his showy performance, I mean, when he's drunk, he's hilarious, but he's also great when he's um, being real serious and, and having the little moments um, of clarity with fellow actors and then breaking character in between scenes and then going back, you know, it, it's a real layers and layers of performance in this movie um, and he was brilliant, so that's why he made my list. I'm going to be very controversial here. He's not on my list whatsoever. Okay. See, uh, did, did you like the movie? I though, loved the movie. Me? I loved okay. the movie. One of my favourite films of the year. I love him in the movie. I just think, I just think though, that when a lot of people left that film, um, when... They thought about the dynamic duo of Brad Pitt Brad and Pitt. Leonardo. Brad Pitt stayed on their mind much more than Leo did. Um, <laughs> well, he took his shirt off, didn't he, on top of the roof? But he, I think that's that's why people were remembering him. He did, but I'm, I'm just, but I'm also just saying as an overall performance thing that Brad Pitt's turn <laughs> in that movie uh, was incredible, and he did did it with less. Uh, with much less kind of power, I, I would say power. I don't want to call Leonardo DiCaprio's performance over the top in that film because I don't think it is. Um, but I think sometimes when you have two great actors go head to head, there can be a, the quiet ones. For some reason, I don't know why, uh, leave a much more memorable impression than the more loud uh, characters or the louder actor. Um, and I think in this case, Brad Pitt is the one. And look, he look. Brad Pitt could have easily went, also went for best uh, leading actor because I think they are both they're, they're both yeah. good leading turns. This is just a thing of like, category selection, so both guys can get in and get their best chances of getting you know an Oscar uh, for either one of them. Um, but I, I I think there's another reason also why. Um, I'm going against Leo for getting a nomination. And I'm just going to say right now, I probably am going to eat my words when it comes to the nominees coming out because he might probably will get nominated. Um, it's because I think there might be too many of the same performance uh, based around the same kind of things uh, being we, we, in the same year being nominated. So, so, for example, my next pick is going to be Antonio Banderas for a film called Pain and Glory. Um, So he plays a character named Salvador. So he's a film director uh, who reflects on the choices of his past um, as his present comes crashing down around him. So there's similarities there, like Leonardo DiCaprio's character as well, this actor who's at the new, perhaps looking at the end of his career, um, really kind of conflicted with the choices that he made in his career. Um, I think there's just some comparison there. I think some people might go more for Antonio Banderas' performance than Leonardo DiCaprio's performance. Um, and Antonio Banderas is terrific in his movie. He's not been nominated for an Oscar before. He's been nominated for uh, four Golden Globes, um, not no wins. Um, he's been in the industry for a very long time. Um, and also, he, just like another person I'm going to mention uh, later, um, Robert De Niro, um, he has been in a really good, um, fruitful collaboration with uh, one certain director, that's Pedro Almodovar, um, who directed Pain and Glory. Um, so they've done eight movies together now. And I think that also brings a little bit of uh, kind of precedence uh, to it as well. Um, and it's just a really great performance. I think Antonio Banderas is one of those actors that the older he got, the better, um, uh, uh, the better actor he's become. And um, especially lately, there's some performances that he has. I don't know whether um, he, I, I don't know if you noticed, he had a heart attack not that long ago. Um, no, I did not know that. He, he had like health problems, he had a heart attack, uh, and it's been like... Um, 
maybe that brought about some sense of melancholy in his yeah. own life and that's been reflected in his performances you could definitely feel it in this movie and um i just think that like if i'm a voter and i'm looking at these all these screeners and i see a perform a couple characters that are similar um maybe i might vote for one over the other you kind of get my logic there oh no i, I get it you um you're right between Dolomite, uh, Once Upon a Time, and Pain and, and Glory, it's it's about Films. the movie industry. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Dolomite, I even forgot to mention that. I mean, there are some themes there uh, that keeps uh, reoccurring, especially in this category. Uh, yeah, you're right, and they, they might cancel each other out. I actually had not considered that. Um, Antonio is not on my list. He was going to be an honourable mention, but I, I will mention it now because I did see the movie at the Sydney Film Festival earlier this year. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty extraordinary. And I remember back in the 90s, there was um, a cinema at Glebe in Sydney called the Valhalla. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't exist anymore, um, but it had a film festival of Pedro Almodovar films. So I saw things like um, Laws of Desire and Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, you know, these early Antonio Banderas roles. So I remember seeing them in the cinema, and he had some charm and, and good you know, acting skills then. And, of course, now he's just done so much. And we've got to remember he was also in, not that I think it'll get nominated, but The Laundromat this oh, year, yep. which was a pretty good movie and weird but and funny, but, it, you know, it was a very good performance as well, but on the other end of the scale of what Pain and Glory was. So, no, good choice, but uh, he was an honourable mention for me. But, yeah, I think cancelling each other out, be the behind-the-scenes of movie-making and, and melancholy side of that might, not work in its favour, you're right. Uh, what's next on your list, Shane? Uh, well, it's one of the best movies I've seen this year. It's Marriage Story and mm -hmm. Adam Driver. So all I can say is Adam is a wonderful actor and I met first saw him in a movie called Francis Ha, uh, Greta Gerwig film, and then in the TV show Girls. He really did shine, and um, this is just one of many great movies that I think he's appeared in and acted in, including the Star Wars movies. He has a bit of presence in those too, of course, but I'm, I mean, different to the Star Wars movies. Marriage Story, his acting is, to me, top-notch, and it's equaled by Scarlett Johansson, but Adam in this has got to, got to be nominated. I think he is very, very strong in this. For a lot of strong subjects get brought up in this movie, and he changes his attitude and his style of um, acting and his personality changes in this movie. So he has a lot to deal with, and it's all convincing. So he plays the role of Charlie in Marriage Story, uh, which, by the way, is out now on Netflix. A lot of people can actually watch it now and see it for themselves. Um, he's been nominated previously for Black Klansman. And um, last episode, we talked about Scarlett Johansson for this same movie as well. And we talked about just what a great year she's had this year, 2019. And Adam Driver is very much the same. Almost similar in a certain way. He's got the huge blockbuster movie coming out soon with the Star Wars movie. Yep. Um, he's got this movie, The Report, as well. He got really good notices in that movie. I mean, to me, every time I watch Adam Driver in a film, um, he just really, every single time, he is, he is he's further establishing himself as a leading man. Um, he's engaging, he's unique, he's terrific. And I don't know about you, Shane, but do you think that he would have fit right in um, the 1970s when like actors like De Niro, Pacino and Hoffman were around? He would have fit in right at that, at that time, don't you think? He really does have, have, to, uh, have that type uh, of uh, aura easily. about him. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't have. I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. Easily would have fitted in. Um, and he has he has like not your traditional look yes. either about yes. him. Uh, and he's just got talent to burn. I think he's he's wonderful in in everything. I've pretty much seen him in from memory. And uh, Marriage Story. Oh, geez, I liked it. I mean, it was hard. It ripped my heart out, but it was a good movie and well acted. He's got a great voice as well. That's another thing we forgot to mention. Just that deep, really voice. Well, Black Klansman, we we raved about him. I was I'm probably saying the same things I said about him last year. In Black Klansman, he was so good, and he yep. was my pick. My pick to win. Yeah, I was kind of upset he didn't win that one. Actually, um, um no, he was terrific in that movie. What's that? Uh, who's next? I'm next to Emma. You just did um, Adam Driver. Okay, yeah, you're next. So my one is going to be Robert De Niro for The Irishman in the role of Frank Sheeran. Uh, so De Niro is a two-time Oscar winner. One for Godfather Part Two. He won for Raging Bull. His last nomination was in 2013 for Silver Linings Playbook. Um, so he plays the role in this movie of the assassin and teamster, uh, uh, Frank Sheeran. Um, he was a hitman for the mob in the 1950s and all the way up to uh, wherever the movie ends, pretty much. Um, the big plot point in the movie was that the real-life Frank Sheeran, which he's, this story is based on, he said that he killed Jimmy Hoffa. So that's what the, the movie is really based on, that whole kind of thing. And... Um, the film goes for three hours, and De Niro's in almost every scene, and to me, he just holds the screen. I mean, he this is the guy who has mastered the art of the stare. I mean, he can look at you and just say a thousand words. He doesn't have to say much. In, in real life, he doesn't say much anyway, so that stare <laughs> really really um, helps out helps it out there. Um, this is his ninth collaboration with Martin Scorsese as well. Um I just think he's terrific in this in this movie. Um, the one thing, though, that I think is really going to go against it, I'm curious as to whether voters will feel that he really pulled off the age factor, especially when he was younger. Um, we, I think you and I talked about how while the the aging technology with the faces was was impressive. Like you, at first, it's kind of off putting, but you get used to it. The yeah. body movements. Um, of watching 70-plus-year-old actors trying to play 40, 50, etc. Sometimes that can really be jarring at times. And there are moments with De Niro's performance as well where he will have to be physical. Um, there's one scene in particular where he beats up uh, a, uh, a grocer um, and he's punching him and kicking him and you know he walks away in a half, you know, Having seen De Niro movies for a long time and seen what De Niro was like in the 30s, uh, in his 30s and 40s when he did violent scenes like that, you can definitely see the creaks <laughs> um, when he, whenever he moved his legs there. Um, so I'll be interested to see whether that will go against him. But overall, I thought he really delivered a compelling performance, one of the best of his career, I think. Um, Shane, I know you didn't like The Irishman as much as I did. What did you think of De Niro's performance, though? Oh, his performance is great. You know, it really was, and I would expect nothing less. One of my favourite uh, quotes that I've ever heard him say, actually, was he because he believes in just about every movie he's ever done, even the bad ones, and he said, uh, I loved Rocky and Bullwinkle. He had lots of fun making it. So, mm. you know, if he can say that about Rocky and Bullwinkle, all, I'm all for this guy. He's, he's great. Uh, but, look, it's controversial as this is going to be, uh, he is only in my honourable mentions, yep. not in my top five. Because uh, because some of the reasons you said, because it was, if you look closely, you can see a bit creaky movements, as you put it. Um, 
but the acting is still great. And and he does go through the, the whole aging process and, and it's told in different eras. I think he, he's brilliant. I mean, but it's a combination of some great performances with Al and Joe and Harvey yeah. and, you know, even Bobby Cannavale in it and Ray yeah. Romano. So, yeah. you know, there's some top, top actors here all mano to mano basically going for it. And, yeah, no, he's, he's in my honourable mention list, but um, I'm not. I think he'll still be nominated, but, you know, personally, he's not in my top five. It could also be a thing, Shane, where sometimes the quiet roles um, get overlooked compared to, like, the bigger, like, in that film in particular, we talked about Pesci, Pacino in particular as well, really kind of uh, their roles are much, had much more, uh, well, Pacino was loud, uh, external presence, um, Pesci had that internal presence, De Niro kind of straddling the line between both of them but when compared to the other nominees, the guys when we talk about like DiCaprio or Eddie Murphy or Adam Driver for example, uh, maybe being, you know him being Robert De Niro and him being very quiet in both his performance and his real life, maybe that could go against him as well. Well speaking of being quiet, I mean Brad Pitt in Ad Astra yeah. You know, to me, to me, that's a, a Oscar-worthy performance, but it it's all but forgotten. Yeah. Maybe because it was released earlier in the year, but he's quiet in that too, and it's not as showy as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that's what everyone's talking about. But yeah. he was just as brilliant in the lead of Ad Astra. But it, like you say, it's a quiet performance, so it might go against him. Yeah, and clearly it definitely has because he has not a peep about his performance. No one's talking about Ad Astra at all. No, and it's a shame because I like that film as well. I'm a big fan of James Gray and his movies and Brad Pitt, I think, is a terrific actor. But, yeah. Um, What's next on your list? Are you up to honourable mentions now or do you have another kind of... No, I'll round out my five. Now, I wanted to put Adam Sandler in, who we've already spoken about, but I haven't seen Uncut Gems. Um, But... (laughs) You know, I'm I'm thinking either Christian Bale or Taron Egerton. Can mm. I do both? Can I do two? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, Christian Bale in Ford v Ferrari, great. He's really good in it, but I expect nothing less from Christian. And it's been a popular movie. It's done well at the box office, so people have seen it. People are talking about it. And it's crossed over. It's not just a car movie. You know, I don't think so anyway. Uh, and Taron, he's another actor that is out there. He's been campaigning for this movie since like April. Yeah. And he, he's he's at all the award. He's at all the TV shows. He's with. He's right by the side of Elton John all the time. So good for him. And it, I mean, he's so good in it. I thought he was brilliant, and um, I'm putting him in my my top five as a as a hopeful. If if nothing else, he'll get nominated. I'm pretty sure for a, a Globe. Um, but, you know, because Bohemian Rhapsody won last year, maybe they'll go a different direction, not musical, I don't know. I, I really don't think that should matter, but as long as he gets a nomination, uh, that'll be great. Jamie Bell is another great performance in it too, but of course he was only supporting. I mean, the whole Rocketman thing is so interesting because to me, and I think to a lot of people, people prefer Rocketman the movie over Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. And they also prefer Taron Edgerton's performance over Rami Malek. And, of course, we spoke before when we talked about the Bond trailer that Rami Malek is, was the uh, best lead actor um, winner. Um, and it's incredible to me. It's just I, Sometimes it's just one of those things where a performance comes along and the timing is just wrong, you know. And I think in this case that could just 
could be it. If yeah. Rocket Man had come out before Bohemian Rhapsody, for example, I think there's no doubt whatsoever that Taron Edgerton would have been a lock. Um, especially if it came out closer towards these. I mean, that film came out really early. Um, and it is good that he's out there campaigning. He's a very engaging personality. He's a charming guy. Um, he is. He's out there with Elton John. Elton John's doing his... I think Elton John's doing his best well to make people make sure people don't forget about that movie as well. Um, no, but it's going to be... like I can see Golden Globes going for it. I can see BAFTA going for it. Will Oscar go for it? I just don't know. I don't know whether the whole thing with Rami Malek uh, is going to uh, put them off. Are they going to give it again to another... Even like a nomination again to another um, music biopic... Uh, would, I don't think so. You know, would the whole Renee Zellweger thing happen uh, with Judy as well? I mean, would them would they say, look, we got that base covered with that performance? We don't need. I mean, there's so many factors going against it, which is a shame because I think it is one of the best performances of the year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I I do think it's it got a lot going against it, and there's only going to be five Oscar nominations, so I don't think there's, it's too crowded the category. I mean, look at all the names we've been throwing up tonight. I know, uh, I know. So I, I, I wanted to put him in there because I really wanted him to get some recognition, and uh, I just I loved his performance. And if nothing else, let's see him get a Golden Globe nom. He, he deserves it. And, I mean, it, it, look, he sang himself. He didn't mind like I think most of Remy's performance was as yeah. Freddie Mercury. So that's a bonus as well. Yeah, uh, and, and to me, again, it goes back to the whole Ray Walk the Line thing again, where Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix sang the songs. Yes. Uh, I think because Jamie Foxx won the year prior, they kind of were like, eh, we're not going to award another one of those performances again, which is a shame because, to me, Joaquin Phoenix was the better performer between he and Jamie Foxx. Not to say Jamie Foxx was a dud, I'm not, not whatsoever, but just in comparing the two and just finding a little bit more authenticity and the uh, Joaquin yep. Phoenix role, yeah, it, it's once again, it comes back to where I am with Taron uh, Edgerton. Um, well, look, Hugh Jackman sang in The Greatest Showman and, yep. and you know, he was overlooked. So that's they, they're funny when it comes to musicals. It's, it's either one way or the other way. It's never down the line. So you can't tell. I mean, it'd be great to see it nominated, but you're right. I don't think it's going to be much of a chance. So um, you mentioned Adam Sandler as well. I already spoke about him when we were talking about the National Board of Review Awards. I just want to bring it up again, Dave, because I think that is a real possibility to really interrupt things. Um, there's another name that I want to put out there. And look, I'm not confident about it, but I think it is a really interesting dark horse. And I'm talking about Paul Walter Hauser. Um, from Richard Jewell. He plays the title character in Clint Eastwood's new film. Now, this um, he was previously in... Um, a, he's been in a bunch of films, but I think a lot of people will remember him, especially from I, Tonya, playing that security guard who pretended that he had martial arts yes. training and that he was a super agent and all this stuff. He was just fantastic in that performance. I think that's the first time I've ever seen him. Me and he too. Was really good. Me too, but I'm pretty sure he was... He's, I saw him in something else lately. I think it was the movie... Uh, um, Late Night, the one with Emma Thompson and... Um, oh, was he in that? Okay, he was yeah. in that, but it was like a smaller supporting turn. It's more of a comedic turn as well. Um, but having said that, the trailer for Richard Jewell looks fantastic. Um, the film has come out in the States in a limited capacity to get in on that uh, on the Oscar wave, and the early reviews has been very strong. Some people say it's one of Clint Eastwood's best films, and because of that, um, Paul Walter Hauser is a, is a main reason because of that. Um, he's playing a real-life character... 
um, uh, named Richard Jewell, who remember back at the time of the 1996 Atlanta Olympics, he's the guy that found the bomb, um, and then um, later he was accused of planting the bomb, and it turned out it was a true. It's just a, it was a whole kind of big mess, and he, this one guy who tried to do good was stuck in the middle of it. And you know, Clint Eastwood's movies, when they hit. The yep. Academy really go for them. They really yep. do. You know, look at Mystic River, look at Unforgiven, look at uh, even Clint himself got a nom. I'm pretty sure he got a nomination for Gran Torino. I'm not 100% sure. Million Dollar Baby. Um, million Dollar Baby. I mean, you know, uh, Letters from Iwo Jima. I mean, when these movies hit, um, he gets nom- nominations and his actors definitely get nominations as well. Um, so I'm going to be really interested to see what will happen with that film over the next couple months um, because, yeah, there's potential there to really to really spoil some things. Um, he, out, out of nowhere comes his uh, actor who's relatively known, um, who's going to give the performance of his career in one of Clint Eastwood's most, uh, one of best-reviewed movies, and yeah, I, I think there's potential there. Not going to say it's going to happen, but there is potential. American Sniper is another one as well we didn't mention. Um, it's a, a, another movie that really made it big. Um, Invictus, I mean, there's so many of them that when they hit, the Academy just goes for them. And I think Richard Jewell really has potential to do that. Well, I liked The Mule as well last year. But, really I mean, that, that didn't get nominated for anything, but it was no. a really solid movie. And he, uh, he really doesn't do movies unless they're strong stories these days if you look go back you just listed a whole heap of them they've all got excellent stories so he's a great storyteller good director has the actors that will just jump on board and be part of it and obviously i didn't even know this this actor's name i wasn't even sure uh, who he was other than from i tonya and haven't seen the movie i don't know much about it you've just told me a little bit about it then but i didn't even know practically what the story was about so really looking forward to it and the buzz is pretty high but uh not sure when it's getting an australian release yet i think it's going to be february next year Um, because that is usually when oscar movies get released in australia for some reason i don't know why (laughs) when you said oh left field i thought you might have been going with robert pattinson from uh the, the lighthouse because he's getting a bit of uh, buzz as well in his role. He is. I mean, again, it comes down to what I said before: the competition in this category, in particular, is very, very strong this award season. Do you have any other uh, uh, picks, uh, honourable mentions in your uh, in your side there, Shane? Oh, I'm only going to mention one more, and it's it's never going to happen. But I just thought I'd mention it anyway. Daniel Craig in Knives Out. Oh yes, I mean you know I actually really enjoyed him. That he's so good. He's so good, and that's I think like where a I mentioned before the potential maybe the Academy having maybe an ensemble award, a movie like that where he like a character like an actor like Daniel Craig puts in a great performance. And it won't get nominated for... Like, I think that would be more of a supporting actor thing than the actor one. But yeah. that right there, that's that's, true. that's a great ensemble thing. I reckon SAG might be very um, um, good with that movie, actually. Um, I, I can definitely see the Screen Actors Guild going for that. 
maybe going up against the Irishman, maybe up, going up against Avengers Endgame. I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, we'll see what happens when those nominations roll around. But yeah, that's a great pick. Because he's a like we talked about Knives Out a bit in the last episode. His comedic comedic chops are rather good, and um, <laughs> he's 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 perfect. His comic timing's great. It's just great, and even though when you first hear that really thick Kentucky accent, you're not really sure what to think of it, but he just he wins you over with his his charm and the accent and just his the oddities that he brings to the role. I mean, I just, it was just. Yeah, that's a really good pick. I don't think it's going to happen either. Hopefully, maybe Golden Globe. No. Maybe Golden Globes love to have their stars there. Could happen there. Yeah, well, um, someone was saying to me the other day that they thought it was just an extension of his character from Logan Lucky. I love but, I mean, Logan all they Logan, were yeah. talking about was the accent, really. Yeah. Yeah, but he, he's very funny in Logan Lucky as well, the Steven Soderbergh movie. So uh, I just thought I'd throw that one in out of left field. But, yeah, probably will never happen. Well, that's a good one right there. I mean, um, the next time you and I speak, the Golden Globe nominees will be announced. Um, So our next podcast, uh, not only will we talk about that, but we're going to dive into Best Director as well. And we're going to really see, I think, what the Globes um, bring because between our next chat and what the Golden Globes bring, I think we're going to see a lot of kind of like um, um, critics' bodies um, across the states um, present their awards and nominees as well. And yep. I think we're going to start seeing a really clear picture now. And, um, yeah, it's going to be – it's really exciting times ahead because it's all just the, – the, the train's moving ahead and, and we're along for the ride. And, um, yeah, this has <laughs> been another – Great podcast. I'm really, um, really happy that we, we could put up two together here. Uh, this well, week. All I've got to do now is talk you out of retiring. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. I doubt it. I doubt it. But uh, well, let's just enjoy the next uh, few months and we'll, we'll take yeah, it from bring, there. Bring it on, Matt. Can't wait till our next chat and um, I enjoyed this one very much. Um, Shane, where can people find you online? As always, uh, my uh, interviews and red carpet photos and whatever else I've been attending and doing in the movie world uh, is on either Instagram or Twitter at movie underscore analyst. So that's at movie underscore analyst and you'll find all my stuff. And um, can they find a bunch of stuff from the um, Actors Awards there as well? Yes. Yeah, you'll see some a uh, couple of write-ups and some quotes and plenty of pictures. Excellent. And for everyone else out there, Matt's Movie Reviews, you can find it on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast. It's been relaunched on iTunes. I had to, like I was saying to Shane, uh, Shane, I was saying this to you a couple of weeks ago, I've been going through a lot yep. of tech stuff. I had to re-upload every episode of the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast. It's back on iTunes again as of today. It's also on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, SoundCloud, YouTube, and pretty much anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. It is there. Check out the podcast, people. Uh, give us some feedback as well, Shane, and I love it when you guys tell us your own thoughts and ideas in regards to our predictions. Um, but until then, Shane, I'll see you at the movies. Yep, bye for now.